My name is Pedro Mujabafid, and we at TMC aim to discuss and inform students regarding topics which aren't covered well in medical school. This interview series is aimed at answering the questions that medical students, interns and doctors-to-be have regarding the various career pathways for medical graduates. Now, the views and opinions expressed here are purely personal and are not reflective or representative of the stance of any employer, college, medical service, endorsement or other person. All right, let's start the show. Hi everyone, with us today we have Dr. Jill Lau, who is an infectious disease registrar. Thanks for joining us, Jill. You're welcome. Can you tell us uh, the story of how you've come to be in infectious disease? Sure, so it was a bit of a roundabout path. I, uh, after internship, I ended up in basic physician training, mainly because the rotations looked good. There were seven days on, seven days off, and so that's how I ended up in basic physicians. Um, moved to another hospital, and when they heard I was in BPT training, asked if I was doing the exams, and I was like, yes, yes, please hire me. <laughs> ended up doing the physician's exams through that. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that stage. I'd ruled out uh, Serge Obsengayani Children's GP um, as a medical student, but uh, was still uh, considering ED training, um, ICU training uh, at the time. Didn't really understand what basic physician's training was about until I did um, ID as a resident for... My main aim at that point was to understand antibiotics better, know how to use antibiotics and... Um, when I was doing uh, ID residenting at Monash, I really enjoyed it and then uh, applied or preferenced it to do as a relieving job for BPT3. Um, so BPT3s cover um, the advanced trainees when they go on their annual leave. So applied for that, got that um, when I was um, in BPT3 and um, did three months of ID at Monash, really liked the medicine, really liked the unit and um, uh, applied for ID training in the year after. In a bit of a, that's kind of how I wanted to do ID in terms of how I got into ID training. I um, failed my clinical exam for the physician's training the first year I sat it and that was the same year I did my three months of relieving an ID. And so the um, head of the unit at Monash knew that I was interested in ID at that time. Um, I was lucky enough that an extra job pretty much just came up um, around Christmas time that year that I had failed and was offered a six month unaccredited ID uh, rotation at Monash, um, which got me through my clinician's exam because if you think about ID consults, they're like long cases. And um, when I passed my physician's exam the second time round, my boss who'd been my boss for the last six months offered me a ID training position. So that's kind of how I got into the program and how I, um, where I discovered my interest in ID. What other things had you considered along the way and what made you, I guess, say no to those Yeah, ones? so a lot of things, uh, I mean, my brain was all over the place uh, for a long time and I think it's important to, it's really good if you know what you want to do from the get-go, but it's also important to know if you don't know what you want to do, don't stress about it. I certainly had no idea. I think in med school, my cover letters for internships that I wanted to do plastics. I did my elective in plastics in final year med school and um, really liked the thinking around it if you've got a burn or a big hole that you need to fix how do you flap it everything's slightly different it's not just the same lap collie 50,000 times um, but then quickly learned in internship that I was not surgical <laughs> minded and not interested in doing surge um, what was it about surge that you didn't really enjoy? I think the lifestyle and the personality and um I think it's changed a lot since I was an intern but you know uh, I think it wasn't 
this is my perceptions, uh, yeah. that female-friendly a profession, um, yeah. a specialty. Um, so, but I think it was mostly the lifestyle, the pace of, of surgery. And that's, um, uh, I think we're going to talk about that in terms of what lifestyle is like in yeah. ID. But um, that turned me off it. Um, I was never interested in... Um, ONG or kids in med school or psych or GP, the whole fourth year rotations, basically. Yeah. And and um, not because the medicine's not interesting, it's just because I think um, I know, you kind of know whether you can or can't work with kids or whether you want to or don't want to work with kids. I think I spoke to peds um, patients when I was a med student as if I spoke to an adult, so yeah. I never got that rapport. So those things were ruled out quite quickly for me. Um, after internship, I really enjoyed ED. I did my first two rotations in as internship in ED and really liked it. You know, the, the pros for me at the time as a baby intern was, oh, ED, you know, there's nothing, you, you hand over your work, there's nothing that's, you know, you, don't, you shouldn't wake up in the middle of the night wondering what happened to your patient because it's someone else you know, definitely looking after them. Um, no one really dies in ED, they're either dead when they come in or they stabilize and they you know, die elsewhere. Um, this is all very immature at the time, I thinking. <laughs> um, but I liked the pace of it and I liked uh, the variety of ED, but then um, doing some medical specialty jobs, and particularly since I was an intern, the four hour rules come into ED and that's really yeah. changed how emergency medicine um, is practiced. You can see the pressure on your colleagues in emergency and that's not something I, I um, enjoyed. So that, that was you know, a brief uh, inkling to do emergency. Once I got into the basic physician's training program, once I was starting for, studying for the exams, um, I was interested in ID once I did my ID HMO rotation, but um, I enjoyed cardiology, once again because of the pace, the turnover of patients. Um, but what detracted me from that was um, the on-call, the coming in for cath lab. So there certainly is a lifestyle aspect of mm-hmm. why I chose ID, as well as just fortuitous um, circumstances a lot of that really your first id rotation was that something that you picked or something that you just as a hmo i'd uh, i'd listed it as a preference um along with i think uh icu i was quite lucky in the terms of the preferences i received as a hmo yeah and that was because you wanted to learn about antibiotics was it very basics my introduction to id was i want to do this job because i want to know how to use antibiotics something i think everyone needs to know as a junior doctor as a medical student okay sure uh, what do you say is the time frame for getting onto an ID uh, training program? Yep. So this is something I had no idea about until, you know, not even as a medical student, but until I was in the basic physician's training program. Um, whether or not people have explained this, but I'll just explain it briefly. So you can apply for basic physician's training once you have completed your internship year and you do BPT 1, 2 and 3 in your third year. So BPT 3, you can sit your written and if you pass that, your clinical exams. And once you pass your clinical exams, you can apply for um, training positions in advanced training. So that would be uh, any medical subspecialty, including ID, gastro, neuro, yep. um, Gen Med advanced training. Um, so really, the soonest you can get into advanced training for infectious diseases is uh, four years out from med school, um, if you pass all your exams and if you apply straight away. Uh, to get onto the training program, you really have to be um, meeting and talking to the people you want to go onto the program well before you've even sat or passed the clinical. So um, you know that that it's harder these days with. Um, more people coming through to the limited training positions so um, is it common to go straight into ID training 
after BPT3 when you pass your exams. Um, I would still say it's, it's definitely doable at this stage, but that's probably changing as the years go by. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And would you say it's uh, harder than other medical specialties or it lies in the middle? Um, I think ID, since so I'm in my third and final year of ID training at the moment. So after you do your BPT1, 2 and 3, you have three years of advanced training um, for most of the medical specialties. Um, some have exit exams if you do id microbiology that's another two years so five years of five years, five years after your basic physician's training uh, i think hematology is similar but most of the other medical specialties once you've passed your physician's exams that's it um, no more exams that's the thing i told myself no more exams um, since I've started, so since, since my first year's ID training, I think um, there were a big number, about 10 or nearly a dozen of us who were first-year trainees at the time in Victoria, which is quite unheard of. Um, I think in the years prior, um, there may not have been as much interest in ID. Uh, I know the where I trained at Monash, they hadn't had a first year in about four years, whether mm-hmm. that was because of interest or whether that was because of the head of unit not wanting first years, I'm not clear. But um, since then, there's been a lot more interest, particularly with internal candidates at, at Monash, um, going into first year ID training, having uh, spent a lot of time with the department in a very similar kind of way that I had resident, really liked it, relieving registrar and then trying to get into the program afterwards. Um, is it competitive compared to other training programs? guess it's pretty hard to say I don't know I've got a friend who spent three years trying to get onto the ONG program with exams Um, uh, so I know that's certainly more difficult that's not internal medicine training though Um, I think I know a friend who spent three years trying to get onto the respiratory program as well so and you know limited spots in cardiology as well Um, I think it's not hard as as hard as some of the subspecialties but it's getting harder Please make sure to complete the survey for this episode. We want to make sure the episodes are as useful as possible, and the surveys help us to monitor whether they're making an impact on our fellow peers. It only takes 30 seconds and it helps more than you can imagine. The link can be found on our Facebook and our blog. Can you tell us a, a bit about your specialty and what your what it means for your day and what your day usually involves? Sure. So. Um I'm here at Box Hill at the moment. Uh, the ID registrar role is a purely consult service, so there's no inpatients. We have a clinic on Monday afternoons, which is outpatients, including follow-up from patients we've seen who are inpatients, and referrals from the GP, as well as a lot of uh, TB, tuberculosis work. Um, so the good thing about that is I don't have inpatients. If a med call goes off, I don't have to run to that med call because I don't have any patients under my bed card. Um, and it also means that we can structure our day through you know, how we want and prioritize our referrals, prioritize our reviews. I have a resident and usually when we have medical students, a medical student as well. And um, the final year med student role in our team is actually really if, if anyone's listening to this has done id um they would know how big a role they are in the id consult service they see their own patients in my teams at least they see their own patients and really contribute to the to the review of um of our consults i pretty much am here as my rostered hours i don't do overtime because i don't need to if i need to if there's a sick patient i'll stay but i haven't really had to stay um over time at all this year apart from the measles look back that I was assisting in when there was a bit of an outbreak so um, 
That said, I know ID registrars, good friends of mine who stay late every day. Um, it's, I think it comes with uh, how comfortable you are with your referrals. I'm in my close to the end of my training, so I give a lot of phone advice. Um, also because I've worked here for some time now and I know that the phone advice I give to the team, I know that they'll listen. Mm -hmm. or I know that the story they're telling me is an accurate one. So I think it's, it, uh, um, early on in your training as well as early on in the work year, um, it's a lot busier as you're probably seeing every patient. And now I'm doing more phone advice, looking through the electronic medical records for results and, and, and discussing plans with the team um, through that process rather than necessarily having to see every single patient. Um, an ID consult can take anywhere from uh, you know a quick two-minute phone conversation to a 10-minute phone conversation to a one-hour review of the history of someone who's been in the hospital for six months with you know six different antibiotics on board at various times. There's a joke slash semi-serious thing I tell my residents that um, the ID a formal ID consult note should be at least three pages long. Um, and there's another semi-joke that the surgical interns tell us they use our ID summaries for their discharge summaries because <laughs> um, sometimes these patients have been in longer than um, a residence rotation. So uh, it can be busy, um, it can be challenging, it can be not too busy, um, but there's lots of variety and um, there's lots of uh, like interaction with other teams other, uh, you know, from a collegiate point of view, um, multidisciplinary teams. I work closely with the podiatrists, the pharmacists, um, nursing staff, allied health, um, but also patient contact. You just see such a variety of patients, post-op surgical, hematological malignancies, um, fever for return travelers, infections in pregnancy, such a wide range of medicine. And that's what I really enjoy about ID. Mm. How much time would you say is split between clinical work and non-clinical work? Hmm. Um, most of my time at hospital is spent on clinical work. Um, there's teaching is a huge component of ID, but uh, and this is just me personally. I do a lot of teaching informally. I'm not a sit-down tutorial person. I never have been. That's a caveat I tell my residents right at the get-go. But um. Almost every phone conversation I have with a treating team or an intern asking for advice is an opportunity to teach, and I take that opportunity. Um, so I would kind of just blend that in all together. There are quiet times when I work on my projects. As part of advanced training, you have to do a research project each year. Um, I I think that's for reasons I mentioned before, it's not as busy here as I'm in my final year of training as well as um, it's not as busy here from a consult point of view as jobs I've had previously. So I did a postgraduate um, Bachelor of Medical Science this year as well as my full-time work. So that took up a lot of my time and that was challenging, but it's certainly doable. I wouldn't say it's doable with other <laughs> medical specialties, um, but I just basically took my research projects from the last two years and turned it into a BMSI thesis. Um, so it's there's time to do research and research is actively encouraged in infectious mm -hmm. diseases um because so much is you hear me say this a thousand times there's no right or wrong answer for many things in id because there's a lot that's unknown it seems as though uh, a lot of your patient contact comes from an outpatient clinic kind of uh, view 
do you, would you say you get a lot of patient contact or it's a lot of, I guess, reviewing charts and making recommendations and making those phone calls? Uh, we do see, uh, I would say the majority is actually um, inpatient reviews. Okay. So clinics once a week and um, there's definitely outpatient reviews, but um, seeing on average about four or five patients a day um, in terms of face-to-face contact in hospital a day um, as part of the consult service. Sometimes it's uh, patients that we've seen a few times before. So it's a quick hello. How are things going? How is this wound looking? What's your drain tube output? How is your fever chart? Um, Sometimes it's a review for the first time, which can take much longer, a full uh, examination in history for someone who's a fever of unknown origin, for example. Um, So I would actually say it's probably a bit more um, face-to-face patient contact with the consult service as opposed to outpatients. Mainly because we don't, I mean, some ID services have more clinics um, a week. We only have one here at Box Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that said, the four or five that I see here at Box Hill um, in my last job, it was, uh, I would get eight or nine ref- sure. proper referrals, like yeah. review referrals a day. And that, that changes per where you know, per network. What would you say are the pros and cons of not having a bed card? Hmm. The pros are, I've mentioned, um, I and this could be seen as a con, my, my day is structured over who I prioritize to see. Um, so I don't have to attend met calls because they're not my patients having met calls. Um, however, that comes with also, uh, I'll keep going with the pros. So you don't have to see every single patient every single day. Um, we offer advice and suggestions. For example, this person with staph bacteremia and back pain needs an MRI, but we don't have to, or my resident doesn't have to beg radiology to do this MRI in a timely manner. We don't have to organize echocardiograms. We just uh, help interpret the results and formulate a plan. Um, that's probably the good aspects of it. The, that, that also means we get to see just a huge variety of different subspecialty medicine and surgical um, uh, patients. Um, in my previous hospital, the ID reg rotated through the inpatients and the outpatients, uh, and sorry, and um, consults. So you still have the ID inpatients. The pros of having inpatients is obviously if you need to get a patient in under your bed card, you organize that, you facilitate that. You um, There's often times we give advice from a consult service and it does not get listened to. Um, and that's perfectly reasonable there is a home team and we're offering advice so um, it's up to the home team whether they take that advice or not that can be frustrating sometimes when we're asked to give advice and then that advice is actively ignored but that's part of as part of id Um, with inpatients there's you're in more in control of the patients as well you know when you're going to send them home you know that you're sending them home when you think that they're ready to go home so um there's less pressure from other units saying this patient we want to send them to rehab or we want to send them home give us a plan so that's one of the pros of having inpatients as well yeah what would you say besides saving lives and curing infections is the most rewarding part about your specialty or the most enjoyable part yeah i do id because you know you can cure most things um and things that aren't uh curable um traditionally such as hiv you can achieve long-term management in you know and, and patients live healthy fulfilling lives um and that's why i enjoy id probably couldn't do something like oncology or uh endocrinology with long-term diabetic patients um the downside of that which is not really answering your question but the downside of that is that you know we, you cure someone of their infection they don't need to come and see you again which is why there's there's challenges in id and um 
private work, there's not a lot of that because you don't have long-term patients often. Um, the highlights of my day, what's it? What's the question? Yeah, the just best the, part I guess of, the most enjoyable part of ID. Um, this sounds really lame, but I was thinking about this on the way here. I have, I actually look forward to going to work and I enjoy my day-to-day work all of it, um, including, like I said, the interactions with patients, but also with multidisciplinary teams, other um, units, other doctors, um, and other allied health members. That's all very enjoyable. It ultimately comes down to a patient understanding what they're on the medication for and understanding and feeling better and ideally having that infection cured. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the satisfaction comes f- to me from. You know, um, We all have to go through the less fun aspects of training the nights the paperwork the you know ward bitch if i'm allowed to say that yeah. <laughs> i'm doing all the all the the work but um yeah since i've gone into id training i really enjoy my job and i can say that i look forward to coming to work every day because it's always going to be interesting and that's really good. what i like about it it's a rewarding rewarding job and we've already kind of touched on this a little bit but what uh, aspect of the job is most difficult to deal with or Oh, I would say um, probably two things. The first is um, teams who don't who ask for your advice and then don't follow your advice, and that's 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 their prerogative to do that. Um, we are a consult service, and acknowledging that that not everyone's going to agree with your suggestions, um, and that's all about relationship building. There's no quick fix to something like that, and that's taken uh, you know years in some institutions with between some units, and that can take. Uh, just two registrars who know each other from previous to kind of mend that relationship. So I think um, that's challenging um, and can be very difficult, but um, that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. The other thing would be we're kind of getting to this era of the post-antibiotic era, lots of multi-drug yes, resistance. That was my next question. Yeah. <laughs> lots of multi-drug resistance. Um, you know, we're, we're, I read in the news this morning, They, um, I think in Canada, they... Um, for source control, they removed um, this patient with cystic fibrosis, her, her lungs, and while waiting for a transplant just to stabilize her because they were, it was resistant to all antimicrobials. And so she was on bypass and um, you know heart-lung bypass for six days till the transplant came up. But if that transplant hadn't come up, that would could have ended really, really disastrously. So um, it's this looming post-antibiotic era is the term we use. My, one of my friends coined it the antibiocopolyps. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's pretty dire and it's uh, quite scary. Um, so, you know, we are seeing people who we can't uh, cure. We've got someone at the moment on palliative antibiotics because we can't cure the infection for a number of reasons. And that's a concept that's quite foreign, palliative antibiotics. Um, you know, trying to prolong their life and prolong their quality of life rather than necessarily the quantity of life. So um, that is one of the challenges that's that's coming for ID, and it's a big problem. It's everyone's problem, not just ID physicians. And how does that change what um, what infectious diseases work is like over the next five to ten years? Do you think so? ID has really um, changed in the past couple of years in terms of the uptake of antimicrobial stewardship. It's now uh, um, 
what's that called? The, it's one of the national standards all hospitals have to comply with. They have to have an antimicrobial stewardship program. And that in itself is a challenge. How do we, we implement antibiotic restriction without sounding like an antibiotic dictatorship? You know, it's um, education. It's all about education. Why did I choose this antibiotic? Is this the best one for my patient? Is this the best one for our hospital population and therefore the bigger community? Um, so antimicrobial stewardship is a huge idea and that's growing. That's probably where the jobs are. Um, like I said, every hospital needs to have a program and physicians doing antimicrobial stewardship rounds. Um, that has changed the face of ID. Um, it's uh, the consult work would be more of an individual level, whereas antimicrobial stewardship, there's um, you know there's an action plan from the Australian government. There's a WHO report on you know antimicrobial resistance. The world is taking this seriously, and we we need to as well. Mm-hmm. And besides uh, AMS, what are the other subspecialties that people interested in ID could go into? Yeah, sure. So ID, um, you know, we, your training will expose you to everything from transplant infectious diseases, so post-solid organ transplant, post-bone marrow transplant, immunocompromised hosts. That's a subspecialty within itself of ID. Um, you can do infections in pregnancy, which is there's probably only one um, uh, leading physician in um, Victoria who's doing that at the moment. So that's certainly an area that's growing bigger in obstetrics medicine as that becomes its own medical specialty as well. Um, there's uh, infection control, anti microbial stewardship I spoke about. There's um, travel medicine and uh, pre-travel or post-travel medicine advice. Uh, and there's microbiology, so you can do a dual training ID and microbiology. That's really, really interesting. I, If there was no exams, I would have loved to go into micro. I just couldn't face the prospect of any more exams. It's hard. My ID micro training is, is tough seeing friends go through it. Um, and there's a whole scope of research and so much research, clinical research, but lab-based research as well. So ID is huge. It's a, I would say it's a youngish specialty. Like I guess obviously antibiotics have been around for ages, but ID as a, as a specialty and as a growing field, is, it's, it's fairly new and it's growing. And there's mm-hmm. so much potential for it. So changing text a little bit, can you comment on your work-life balance in ID? Uh, so ID is probably fairly... I won't say easy. It's probably um, good in terms of the specialties in in enabling a work-life balance. I don't do any on-call or weekends here, which is just lucky. Uh, But at Monash, I was one in five. Um, So on-call on the phone and one in five weekends where you do ward rounds for the inpatients and see any urgent consults that you might need to see. Um, That said... Being on call overnight, I never had to physically come back into hospital. There's colleagues of mine who did for the sick patient, but I was just lucky that I didn't have have that. So my work-life balance now is great because I don't have this on call. I don't have weekends to do. I work basically eight to five um, as someone who not in the medical profession might, might do. Um, work-life balance is really important. Going through the physician's exams, um, you know, you kind of spend... Uh, a good 18 months preparing for these the biggest exams of your life and uh, a lot of hobbies and extracurricular activities I had fell off and I've you know rebuilt them up again since having a bit more time after those exams so I think it's uh, important personally to make a priority of your work-life balance seeing friends having friends who aren't doctors is important um doing physical activity and I, you know, team sport or whatever works for you. So mm-hmm. just maintaining that balance. I think it's certainly doable in ID as a specialty. Um, uh, work-life balance from colleagues of mine who have had kids, the training program's pretty uh, 
flexible in terms of maternity leave and um, uh, job sharing. So that's, I think it's a very uh, welcoming and uh, encouraging unit to maintain work-life balance. Yeah, and okay. uh, what are your interests outside of medicine and how do you fit them in to your life at the moment? So I guess like, what are your hobbies essentially? My hobbies? Um, so I, uh, all expensive hobbies. Um, I, <laughs> and all stuff you can't do easily on your weekends. Um, I like snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and scuba diving uh, and travel that is associated with both of those things so my annual leave does go along those paths Um, hobbies or other activities outside medicine I play water polo so I do that weekly water polo yep so and that's good that's a weekly thing it's team sport it's um I, we play socially our team's terrible but it's, it's something that's not you know and those are friends who none of them are doctors so it's quite nice to have um i think it's pretty good because i feel like it's a bit difficult to have team weekly kind of things as a yeah. physician it's tough actually one of the one of my old teammates she plays for the, another team in my club was an intern here this year and she you know she missed a number of games having to do evening yeah, shifts exactly. but that yeah. um, it's really good that she's still playing as through an intern yeah you shouldn't let your other commitments in life drop off just because you're in full-time work and rostered work which can make things difficult but um they obviously worked around it she was their goalie so um, uh-huh. <laughs> they managed to work without a goalie for a number of weeks but um th- yeah so so that's kind of a, a regular thing for me um uh otherwise spending time with family close friends um and travel when i can yeah which i think is f- most you'll see most doctors like they the first day of annual leave they're off and they're back the morning of work starting if not the night before jet lagged as hell yeah yeah. (laughs) do you see uh your work-life balance changing as you move into a consultant position uh yes difficult question to answer because um you're speaking to me uh at the point where i've had a couple of interviews but nothing lined up for next year in terms of my consultant ship yet so uh tough question to answer because I have absolutely no idea yeah um, I could be unemployed next week which means yeah my work-life balance will be Ooh, mostly fantastic. life and not work um, but uh, I my understanding from ID a lot of the the new consultants coming out and you know colleagues I've gone through training with coming out um, they often pick up a number of part-time things and then it sounds like there's a, always a shortage of work but there actually isn't there's plenty of work um, sometimes you have to make your own work um, and sometimes it might be, you know, part-time here, part-time there to make up a full-time job. Seems most quite people... common to have to do that in a lot of the specialties yeah, nowadays. Yeah, and most yeah. people don't want full-time work after working full-time for so many years of their life. So I think um, uh, there's flexibility with consultantship in terms of how much time you can allocate to work life. So I'm sure there'll be a change. What to change, I can't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> And the last question I had, was there, is there any advice that you would have wanted to know as either a medical student or an intern that might have helped you through? So I think it's, you know, I went through, um, I didn't know what the, how the elective process worked until I got to fifth year. I didn't know how third year rotations worked and, and hospital rotations worked till I got into third year. I didn't know how basic physicians training worked till I fell into basic physicians training. And so you could argue that I'm really lucky that I fumbled my way into ID training and found something that I'm you know, lucky enough that I love the job I'm doing. Um, there's, it's important to kind of know what you're getting into, obviously, when you're getting into med school and, and, and physician's training or surgical training or, or whatever. Do your research, but um, also don't get too bogged down on, on my life. I intend to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. That's what I'm going to be. Things certainly change. I changed my 
I didn't change my career path. I changed my specialty like three times in the space of two years. Um, so don't get too bogged down in what you you think you want to do because you'll learn with experience whether or not that's the right thing for you. Um, so apart from doing a bit of research about all the various options, which this is hopefully going to help with. A good yeah, work, hopefully. <laughs> um, but also not, no, don't stress too much. Enjoy, you know, intern year when you get to it is tough. Look after each other. Um, take care of each other. Make sure that your colleagues are doing all right. But also just learn as much as you can about the specialty. Speak to your registrars. See if they're enjoying it. Um, and you'll, you know, the important thing is doing a job and something you love. You don't want to be spending the rest of your life doing something you don't enjoy what's the point of that that's very true um i think as things get more competitive these days it's probably important to try and get involved in research projects when you're like a resident um, when you have a bit more time residents might argue that (laughs) they do have a bit more time but um if for example you know fairly early on that you're interested in ID, speaking to the ID consultants at your hospital. Um, is there like an audit or something I can get involved with, a case report that I can get my name on a publication? Um, more and more these days, these these things are looked as a necessity, you know, going into advanced training. So um, it's probably important to try and, if you you know what you're into and if you have um, free time. Yeah. Free time, free time inverted yeah. commas, <laughs> um, some time. Uh, it's, it's a good way to buff the CV probably worth thinking about early on yeah wonderful great really appreciate you coming on and uh, thank you for all your help and advice no, thank you thank and you. all the best for this project it's a great idea <laughs> thank you that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening make sure to keep in touch with us through social media our handle is at the med collab that's t-h-e-m-e-d-c-o-l-l-a-b on facebook twitter and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our podcast for our weekly release. All right, guys, see you next week.